experience life and then find things that bring you joy. So youth, it's like when you don't have a lot of options because you don't have a car, you're not 16, you don't have a job, you don't have a lot of money. But it's like start to find the things if you are very creative, start doing creative things, like start to unlock that part of you. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLean, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, We'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us, and let's make a difference, one youth at a time. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast. I'm your host, James McLamb. Excited today to get back into swinging things with, hey, audience, this is my first recording of 2023, so I'm really excited about this one, and I'm excited that the guests that I have today... Brittany, thank you for being my guest today. I'm so happy to be here in 2023. Is it 2023 or 2024? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, even made the, I even wrote that down. Oh, I even wrote that down wrong. It's socially seat. acceptable to say the wrong date, so it's fine. <laughs> oh my God. Well, guys, uh, this is recording from a year ago. so Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to have a great conversation no matter what year it is or what year you're listening to this in. Uh, we're going to have conversation today with, with with my guest today. Brittany, introduce yourself to their, our audience because they really would love to hear from you more than they would love to hear from me because obviously I don't know what day it is. So. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, they need to know, y'all need to know, I'm super awkward when I talk about myself. It's not an enjoyable thing for me. So when there's an open-ended question of tell us about yourself, I'm like, I don't know what you want to know. Do you want to know my favorite color or about my trauma? Like you got to be way more specific <laughs> in, in what we're going to talk about. But I'll give you the high level view. I am a teen mental health speaker. I'm an anxiety expert, former school counselor. I am little, see, this is how, where I get super awkward talking about myself. I don't know what to say next. So I'm, let me give you my little resume. I'm 37 years old, happily married. I have amazing kittens. I'm a cat person. Uh, 80s hair bands are my jam, hence my shirt. If anybody's yeah, watching I was, video, I was looking at that, trying to figure, I saw Motley <laughs> Crue and Skid Row. I didn't see the rest of it. So. Oh gosh, we got like Poison, White Snake, Cinderella, Twisted Sister. You know, half the people listening are like, I saw those in person. And then the other half, or like, I don't even know who those are. So it's like, it's a great combination of both. So that's what I love. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. I, I serve students, high school and college students uh, frequently, often. It's who I resonate with the most. I struggle with adults. I don't even know what that is. So I don't even consider myself one. So I'm not sure anything about that. So let's, uh, yeah, ask me a direct question so I can give you better answers. <laughs> I, I tell you what, what drew me to you know, you're not connected through Instagram. And what really drew me to your profile was the message and the issues that you really want to work with. And because it's so timely, it's such a, a, a topic that we hear 
so often for those of us who work with youth or youth themselves, and that is youth mental health issues. So tell me, how did you get interested in that? And then we can maybe dive into some of the issues surrounding that. So where did that motivation and inspiration come from? Because I'll tell you, most youth speakers want to talk about the positive things, you know, the great things, you know, hey, get them up, you know, no fear, all that kind of stuff. But this is a this is a heavier issue. So how did you get involved with this? Well, uh, truth be told, it was my own personal mental health struggles when I was in high school that really, I mean, I, I didn't think in high school I'd ever be a public speaker about it, right? But definitely, I think that in life and in general, we're most powerfully positioned to serve the people we once were. And I get that from the amazing man, Rory Vaden, who absolutely changed my life with that statement. I say it all the time and in hopes to inspire others as well. But I think that we have authority and, and to show up for that person, you know, our former self. And I got into this because I knew when I was young, I always used to tell myself, if somebody could just stand in front of me and tell me that I'm going to get through this, that I'm going to be okay, then, then it would be okay. They made it through. Like, I want proof that somebody has done this and has essentially mentally, emotionally, physically survived. And so that's one reason I, I jumped into the space, but I went into counseling actually, because that's the main reason I wanted to help people with mental health. I was always fascinated by human behavior, why we did what we did, why we thought how we thought and why certain things were so much harder for me than they were other people. That was one of the big things when I was young, I was like, I just don't get it. I don't understand why all my friends can be this way and do these things, but I physically can't, can't make it through the door. You know, the anxiety was just so, so bad. So really being able to show up for them and, you know, give them the tools and the tips and the tricks that I've battle tested over the years. So when I speak, I want to be very clear, just because I was a counselor, I don't get up there and speak clinical jargon at teenagers. I don't, in fact, a lot of people don't even know I was a counselor. I, I utilize my own experiences and things I know that they can touch, they can grab onto, they can see progress today if they decide to engage in these activities, including how to have a conversation about mental health, right? That's, that's the thing I often see too, is teens so desperately want to talk about mental health, they just don't know how to do it. So if I can give them these tools and these non-intrusive conversation starters to get them into those conversations and show them that the more we talk about these things, the less weight, the less hold it has over us, then, then we can get through to the other side. So essentially that's what led me to this space. And here's another side to that. I was a counselor and I like to point this out, especially for the adults listening, but as a counselor, at schools, I was at a middle school and a high school, the the student that I would see was the at-risk student, right? The one that exudes like behavior, risky behaviors, probably failing classes or their home life is a struggle. They were an at-risk student. So they were sent to the counselor. That's not unusual. But friends, I was not an at-risk student. I was a leadership student. I was one that excelled at everything. I was a team leader on my sports team. I was the student that walked around the school and the teacher said, we don't have to worry about her. She's amazing. She's out doing all the things. The students that fall through the cracks, in my personal opinion, are the ones that you feel like you don't have to check up on. And to me, this is just a reminder to check in on all students, not just the ones that you believe are at risk. So that's why when I show up and speak, a lot of youth speakers will speak to you know, the at-risk students anyway. They want to show up for them. That, that's amazing. I want to show up for the one, the leadership student that is struggling with a fear of failure, heavy expectations, 
don't know what they're going to do if they don't get into this college or, you know, pretending to be someone they, they're not to be liked by all, you know, all of these different things that that particular student is struggling with because that was who I was. It's ironic that you're talking about this particular student because I was having a conversation yesterday with one of our new coaches that we're training and, and when she was trying to define who she wanted to work with and we talked about this particular group of students that are very good at faking that everything is okay, faking that their life is perfect, faking that that they're doing everything because they have so much expectations on them. So I, I applaud that because so many times those of us who are working with them maybe even fall, you know, fall, fall or trapped or trapped to that trap as well of not wanting to work with that student because we think, hey, they've got it all together. When in reality, there's not anyone really has it all together. Correct. Correct. And I think that, you know, anxiety itself can come in a lot of different forms, including over excel and hustling all like we do it to avoid feeling like we're failing to avoid the anxiety of not doing enough like there are so many layers to what these young people are experiencing but i will tell you overall the number one thing that i hear from especially high school students is a fear of failure and that's a pretty general statement because everyone if we dissect it with each of them we're going to hear something a little bit different but they feel such an overwhelming stress of expectations. I'm sure a lot of it comes from multiple places, social media, you know, comparing themselves to other people, their parents, whether it's perceived or actual pressure and expectations. Society has this beautiful way of saying, go to high school, go to college, get a job, get a 401k and live your life. When in reality, that's not reality all the time and letting them know that, that that's okay. So one of the things that I challenge a lot of young people with is, you know, a lot of them have their phones, right? A lot of them use GPS on their phones. And I'm like, listen, your life is GPS, friends. I want you to set your end goal, right? We all set the place that we're trying to get to. And what happens on GPS when we turn left and set a right? What does Siri do? And they're like, she course corrects. I'm like, friends, exactly. Life is a full of left turns when we should have gone right, but we can still end up to our destination. We just have to learn to course correct because all they see is a straight line. And if you deviate from that line, then life, they know it is over. And it's just like, that's just not true. Course correction is real and it, it will happen. So I try to really lean into that and give them some clarity that the ex how you get there is not going to happen the way you think it will right now, but sometimes it ends up way better. I mean, when I let them know that I'm a two-time college dropout because of my anxiety, I just see eyes in the audience just go, you know, they're like, then I know what they're thinking. She still has a master's degree. She is successful. She is like, okay, her life didn't end because she dropped out twice. Well, it felt like it at the time, you know, but let me tell you like it, this, what this process looked like, right. And like how it can actually be something extremely beneficial for you in the future when you overcome adversity. So, and how that can strengthen anxiety and leading into that with negative self-talk is something we talk about as well. I know I'm rambling, so I'm a, I'm a pause here and let you. Like... <laughs> no, no, you're not rambling. It actually, it, it's so, it spurred so many thoughts about this. And one of the things that spurred was a conversation that I recently overheard. My daughter, my youngest is 13. And if there's any group that, that struggles with their identity, it's 13-year-old girls, 12 and 13-year-old girls, which is the age that my wife coaches. She's a cheerleading coach. So she coaches them. So that's even bigger. And, you know, 
But I heard them, they were talking about following some influencer on YouTube and they were sharing with it. And so I asked them, why did, why did you find this person and why did you seek out? And they said, well, they were talking about body image topics and, and stuff like that. And, and I was questioning. And then someone said this statement in the group. He said, well, we wanted to follow him because no one is talking to us about the issues that we're affecting every day. And we needed to hear something. And so I was like, whoa. And that's kind of like, you know, mental health, especially for youth, is, is, is a subject that is spoken about. Why now? Why is it such an issue now where I would dare say when you were in high school, it wasn't spoken as much? I'm just trying to do the math in my head. I would think, it. you know, we're talking late 90s, right? <laughs> um, 90s, early 2000s? Early like 2000s, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. And, you know, even during my period of time, which those, uh, that shirt would have been popular during that time period, you know, we didn't talk about those things. I, I agree. I, in fact, I have conversations with some of my high school friends that I knew in high school and they've told me like, they're like, I was in counseling in high school. I didn't tell anybody. Or like, I suffered from depression in high school. I didn't tell anybody. And I was like, holy cow. And I talked to my parents and then the generation before that. And like, you know, it's like, I there are so many factors, so many variables that it's really hard for us just to say, well, social media is what did it. There's a strong correlation in the data that suggests mental health and social media just went like this together. Sure, that may be true, but we there are so many other variables as well. So it's just a matter of, I think that honestly, this generation did something amazing, this current generation that we have. They're the ones that demanded that we talk about mental health. So we just talk about it more now. And I think it's always existed. I think it just, we just didn't talk about it, right? Like, or it was the generation of rub some dirt in it, rub some kitty litter in it. You're going to be fine, which was my generation. And to be honest, there's some, there's some resiliency and dexterity with that. And I'm a, I'm a good balance between the two personally, because I fall down and get back up. But how do we help these kids build the strength to get back up? That's the difference here. And I try to, my husband, who's even a high school teacher, I'm like, these kids are falling down mentally, emotionally, physically, and you're, we yell at them, you know, metaphor, or, you know, just for example, yell at them, whether it's internally, externally, just get back up and go on. But we're not teaching them how to get back up. So we're not helping them build resiliency. We're just expecting them to have it. So that's that's the difference. So this younger, this older generation built resiliency through a lot of different things. There was a lot more physical labor, you know, times were tougher. I mean, the demand mentally and emotionally and physically built resilience. It was just a thing, right? It built resilience. We built it more naturally then. And, um, this is just my own personal opinion, by the way. So no one come at me. So, but, but now we just don't do that. Everything is so at our fingertips, we have instant gratification. We can get things right away. We, we don't even socialize physically a whole lot anymore. So when something occurs, we enter fight or flight response for something that's not a threat. And we don't understand why we we've never built the resiliency with that. So there is this, this, this mindset of fall down, but we have to help them get back up. So they learn to get back up. So when they fall down again, they can do it on their own. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking of my own experiences that I may have had more lessons about falling down and, and learning how to get back up younger than my children did because of the environment that I was, I was raised in the situation that I was raised in. 
you know, I'm a farm kid. So, I mean, we learn how to be, you know, get, fall and get back up. You know, you're a farm kid too? Yes. I'm originally from Texas. I just live in Illinois now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I grew up on, you know, the farm. So and I think there's some element of that. I, I am kind of biased towards that. I taught ag, uh, agriculture. So, um, you know, I'm, nice. I still have that uh, aspect in me. And my daughter teaches it to this day. So and she she's in her second year in the classroom. So I think there's some element where I think we learn maybe earlier how to fall and get back up. And, and that was just a part of our early so that when we got into high school, if we fail, our parents kind of just hit and teachers just kind of, Hey, you, you should have the skills by now, which, you know, maybe with this generation doesn't. And it, it could be those of us who've worked with them or, or parent them or just not doing our job there. I wouldn't necessarily, well, I always like to lead with, I was on a parenting podcast recently and I always like to lead with to parents and let them know that it's not your fault, right? Like, I think there's a lot of guilt. My mom carries it personally, you know, based on, she's like, I just didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. Well, I hold the responsibility, especially being an adult now, again, whatever that is, but I didn't say anything, you know? So like parents, it's not your fault, right? I just want to let them know that they did not screw up their children. Okay. But there are so many other things that participate in development of a child mentally and emotionally, not just home. But I think that we, even myself, like with the young kids, I coached volleyball for many years, how I was raised. We put that on other people, right? We just, again, these expectations of fall down, get back up. But I think we all need to give grace to each other, all the generations across the board, because times just evolve. That has been true forever, not just now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? All we see is now because we're in it. But if we look back at historical data, things have always changed, right? I mean, we no longer build pyramids with our hands, right? Like all the way through to what we do now. We can build little microchips that- I mean, the aliens didn't build the pyramids. I thought that was, okay. Right, well, exactly, exactly. That's but another podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or walk in LA, is yeah. according to what they say right now. But I think we just have to give grace. I think that, and it's just like when I hear parents struggle that their kids are always on their devices- I like to remind parents that you bought the device and I don't see that to be like, like a rude or anything, but just to give grace because you, we all have to take ownership and accountability in where we all are right now. And we're not going to grow unless we give grace on all sides and help each other do that. Yeah, youth are just responding to the world that we created for them. Correct. Correct. And we created this world of, of high technology of devices without guidelines and rules in place because we were still learning and then we were gave this you know world to them and said live in it and they're like well we don't know how to live in it and we we're like well find your own way we'll figure it we're going to figure it out with you it's just what has happened it's just what's evolved on there so let's speak to the two different audiences that may be here so let's speak first to those who who are working with youth whether it's parents educators coaches teachers youth life coaches how can they help you through this process? And that was a big question, an open-ended question. So I'm just going to let it go wherever it goes. So I'm just a firm believer in, in relationship building. So I think that there are relationships to be built on all sides. And it's something I really valued in my, when I was coaching is, you know, and, and my husband coaches also, and he actually has a different coaching style. So we've talked about this. He believes in 
not building the relationship to keep the authority, right? So like the authority of the coach, the player, this is the relationship. And again, he's, we grew up that way. I grew up that way. I was coached well that way, but that's not what I have found over 14 years of coaching personally. That's how I coached at first, right? And I'm using sports as a, as a reference for people, but then I evolved and decided to connect with my players. You know, I felt like caring more about who they are than what they did on the court was more important. And I saw better performance from them when I built that relationship. So what I was able to do is, is just understand them a little bit more. It's like having kids, right? Every kid is going to have a different personality. Ergo, how you talk to them might be different, you know, and how you connect with them might be different just because their personalities are different. Now, I'm not saying you have to make this a hundred percent like a perfect thing, right? With each student and each, each kid and all the, all the youth out there. I'm just saying they appreciate effort and connection because I think that is something that they value, regardless if we see it happening on a device that is a connection that they're creating and valuing. So if we can create a connection that they feel connected to, I think that there's there's value in that. So that I say all that to say, again, just giving grace on all sides and learning from each other and talking and how to have those non-intrusive conversations where we feel comfortable. I think it's 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 a game changer because I think that's the one thing that's missing just in the world in general is conversation. I love what you're saying on relationships. Uh, Arts has heard this before, but we interviewed since 2016 about 2,500 youth across the nation and in England and asked them, hey, what's the biggest problem facing your generation? In some form or another, that was our question. This was individuals, maybe over you know calls or in person, some small groups, and we just let them talk recorded their answers, and we found three major themes, three major areas that we could categorize them in with a few outliers that were situation-specific. And the first one, the one that the most people struggled with, that the category we could put them in is self-image. I think that would be the fear of failure would fall under that. Well, I know it is because that was one of the answers. But the second biggest one was relationships, that they struggle with, you know, who, how do I connect with people? How do I connect with my peers, my parents? You know, where's my, where's my tribe? Um, and it's just a different world that they operate in. But before the pandemic, I got a call from a friend in Texas that said, Hey, would you, uh, talk to my and coach my, uh, 14 year, 15 year old daughter with her boyfriend problems. And I was like, no, I didn't say that, but that was where I was thinking. I was like, gosh, you're our friends. I don't want to get involved with this. So I told him, I said, I'll, I'll talk to her and I'll tell you what I hear. And then give you some recommendations because of my relationship with you. Brittany, within two minutes of talking to her, this boyfriend that she was having problems with, it was a virtual boyfriend only. They had never met in person. But for her, it was causing her anxiety and stress and affecting her mental health because she thought this virtual boyfriend was cheating on her. And and I wanted to yell, cheating on what? I mean, because that's the world that I live in. Right, right. So they, it is these relationships and being able to form Teach them how to build relationships by modeling that. So essential. I love that. I love how you do that. Hmm. That's that's cool. That's right. so. How about to youth? Is how do we how do we help them? What could you say to them? The thing that I hear from youth is when I talk about you know finding someone to talk to or building those relationships, and 
I, I, the immediate response I get more often than not is, well, how do you know who to trust? Right. How do you know who you can trust or, you know, just, just all of those sorts of things. And I, I really try to pull back and just say, well, let's just start with the relationship we have with ourselves first, because if you have issues trusting people, let's look inward for a second, <laughs> you know, like let's look inward. Um, but oftentimes with young people, especially 13, 12 to maybe 18, even later, maybe even earlier, um, we try so hard to fit in that I'm not sure we know our, who we are just yet. And that's coming from personal experience as well. I don't speak to anybody I went to high school with. I'm not friends with anybody I went to high school with because those relationships were not authentic. They were me trying to be someone I wasn't to be accepted and, and liked by other people. So was I really liked by them if I was pretending to be someone else? You know, it's just like this vicious, like mental cycle. So I challenge young people. I'm like, your friend circle right now, are you being authentically yourself? Are you hiding? Are you, are you pretending to be someone you're not? So you're going to be liked. And then I'm like, are you really liked by them then? If they're liking the fake you, that isn't the real you like, and then it's just kind of like this mental, like back and forth that they're in. And once we start to accept ourselves, then when people don't like us, we tend not to care, right? So we tend not to be like, well, these are just not my people, you know, really reiterating to them that it's okay not to be liked. So I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, tangent here, but I think it's a really important message because um, not everybody is going to like us and it's exhausting trying to get everybody to like us. And I think that when you're young, you still are kind of developing your identity. So you do, you engage in risky behaviors or you try things that you didn't think you would, or you say things you normally wouldn't say, you know, we're trying to discover who we are and connect with people. And I think mistakes will be made, but I think that's important because I think you'll learn who you are in those moments, right? Like, oh, didn't like this, loved that. This was great. Totally made a mistake there. I mean, just having those internal audits with yourself, like, is this really me? is this really who I am and who I want to be, you know? So start to develop that identity and being comfortable with that and accepting yourself for who you are. I get comments all the time. Like people tell me my energy and my confidence just radiates and it pulls people in. I'm like, friends, it's not confidence. It it's acceptance. Like I have accepted myself for who I am. And I don't think you can be a confident person until you've accepted it. I've had grown grown adults put their hands up to my face, James, and say, you're too much for me. Like in, really? wow. in, in front of people, they've done that. And I ask my students, like, how would you react to that? And they're like, oh my God, I'd be so mad. I, I'd be so embarrassed. I'm like, how do you think I reacted? I was a little shocked that he did it in front of people for one, but two, like, I really wasn't that upset by it saved me a lot of time because clearly this relationship is not something I want to be involved in. We're not meant for each other. And that's okay. Because if we have to pretend to be someone we're not in any way, shape or form to make somebody else like us, the price of that relationship is too high. It is just too high. And the right people will come to you and the wrong people will leave when you start to be authentic. And that's what you want. You're not for everybody. You want to be a specialist, not a generalist, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I love okay not to be like that's that's hashtagable there. And when you said that, I thought there's two issues of the three that I talked about. The third one being their inability to understand their purpose and set goals for that purpose. But the first two, 
you just hit those both in that one statement because they've got to have they've got to have learned some things about themselves and develop a positive view of themselves to to, to be on that road of having a good self-image and acceptance of this and be able to work in those relationship skills because I think about my 14, uh, 13 year old who's almost a 14 year old now. She doesn't understand that it's okay not to be liked. Right. It's a constant thing. I don't want to do be this. I don't want people not like me. I'm like, well, you know, there's your schools. Do you like you? Yeah. If the school's big, you know, you'll find your people. And, and like these, oftentimes, you know, these kids have FOMO these days. I and mean, we all struggle with it. That's not just a youth thing. But even there's moments where I feel challenged. But when, when you're faced with a situation, whether it's a positive or a negative situation, potentially, and you're feeling FOMO or you're like, I want to do this. I want to be friends with that person. I mean, just start to have that internal conversation with yourself. Like, is this really me? Is this something I really want to do? Or do I want to do it because I want people to see me doing it? Or do I want people to be happy that I'm doing it? Am I doing it for me or to make somebody else happy? I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not aligned with you, then it's a no. Like I, I think we struggle saying no, for, you know, and it, and that's okay. We all do. Nobody's immune. I'm not coming up here speaking from a pedestal like I'm great at this. But in those moments where I feel challenged, you know, and we all fall short, that's really important. I just like to have those internal dialogues and and things that I know about myself now, I'm so comfortable saying no that it brings me joy, right? Because I would not be a happy person faking all these things. Like, that's crazy. I love that you've got this message because the thing that kept going in my mind as you were talking just then was we need to be, not hammering, but this message needs to be continually in front of them over and over again, hearing it from different voices, from different things. It's, it's okay to not be okay right now. It's it, You've got to learn and find yourself because my first thought is, how does a 13-year-old develop this kind of mentality uh, when all the things are going on? And it's only with those continue, people feeding them into you, like what you're doing and, and the friends, mutual friends that you and I talked about before the podcast or the messages they have pouring into that. So this is so critically important. Uh, tell me how you do that. What tell, tell the audience how you engage with both adults and and you to share this message. What do you do? I want them to hear it so they can go out and find you. Well, again, I, I struggle with adults, James. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not one. No, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's difficult for me to connect with adults. I just, it's just been a thing. I, because of my energy, listen, I bring the right people into my life, right? Like, you know, my friends, Matt and Phil, like, I mean, I attract a certain type of person that's like me, but we're not for everybody and that's okay. Right. But, um, I think being myself in front of youth. And I think uh, a lot of my friends who are in this, a similar space will also attest to this when we're ourselves, youth are attracted to that and they see it's okay to be themselves. So you said something earlier, modeling relationships. We want to model what it's like to be okay to fall down, laugh at ourselves and get back up. Right. And, and say that, you know, and be living proof that it's okay, that not everybody likes you and not everybody will be your friend, but those are inauthentic relationships. And I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> so, but to the youth, one of the things that they can start to do, especially so young, is start to discover things that bring you joy. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to know what lights your soul on fire. And you're when you're so young, 
there, you just don't know yet. And I think that society has its way of getting in your head and, and telling you things like, well, you need to pick something to major in in college and be a professional and do all these things. So you start to kind of be fed this narrative that your life is being planned out for you and, and all the things, but truly it wasn't until like my, my late twenties when I'd started experiencing all kinds of things. So I tell youth, I'm like, try a bunch of different jobs, like say yes to road trips and, you know, go try exotic foods and, and don't, don't stress so much about, you know, doing these short-term gratification things, peer pressure and all that, like experience life and then find things that bring you joy. So youth, it's like, when you don't have a lot of options because you don't have a car, you're not 16, you don't have a job, so you don't have a lot of money. But it's like start to find the things if you are very creative, start doing creative things, like start to unlock that part of you. If you're very athletic, try a bunch of different sports. If you're very, you know, business minded or like to do like I liked to have a ton of lemonade stands when I was young, I sold things on the side of the road makes total sense that I grew up and did a lot of sales jobs and entrepreneurial stuff like stuff like that you start to uncover, you know, little things that you're going to want to do in the future. And those are things that you'll start to lean into and start to build your identity is find the things that bring you joy, not the things that bring others joy that you think you want to do. But to be to lean into that, and that will help you know unlock the confidence and the ownership you have over your personality and things you want to do. I so resonate with everything that you're saying here, especially when you started talking about how you, you connect better with youth than you do adults. Uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> when, when we developed some of our early programs, and we were working training uh, college students and and juniors and seniors in high school, we had adults who wanted to come to our programs too, and I wouldn't let them come because I just didn't feel like they would understand the content and the curriculum. And they didn't. I had a, a couple that I let come in just to see and they enjoyed it. But I could tell they're this is not really their thing. And I got asked one time, they said, how do you get so excited about this stuff? And I was like, because I'm Peter Pan. I never really grew up. I mean, I just exactly. I mean, I'm just kind of silly on this kind of stuff. So uh, I, I resonated with that. When you said that, I was like, yeah, she's talking about me. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just, Not that I don't love adults. There are some, I mean, we're all, you're an adult, I'm an adult. Again, I tell teenagers, I'm like, listen, I'm the oldest teenager you'll ever meet. And the only difference between me and you is I pay my own bills. That's literally the <laughs> only difference. And yeah, so. <laughs> I, when I go to a, a an event or social uh, and there's adults at the events, I'm, I, I, I am very extroverted, but. I do tend to be slow in getting that type of stuff, but you drop me in an event where there's youth and I see an opening. I've all of a sudden taken over and doing little dumb games with them or mind games or, or uh, uh, I read an article last year that said that uh, telling dad jokes to your children build resilience, that there's science behind that. And so, you know, I, my, my oldest 23 year old bought me a, a, dad joke a day calendar and stuff. So I'm notorious for doing that. And my youngest just hates it. And she's actually, every time she sees her older sister, she's like, I hate you. So, I mean, I, I love to build those types of stuff and, and people are like us, we're made, we were created for this world to help, help this next generation. How can my audience get in touch with you so they can learn more about you? Oh gosh. Well, I, Instagram's where I live. That's where we met. So I think that that's really, obviously that's where I live. I like to connect with 
adults and youth there. I like to provide value to people that follow me in terms of like overcoming anxiety and things like that. But also like my real life, I think that's important is to grow relationships and listen, youth are on social media and I lean into that. I like to meet them where they are. And I think that that would be another tip I'd have for adults is meet them where they are, right? If you want to connect with them, meet them where they are and they are on social. So my Instagram is the Brittany Richmond, not the like anything fancy, but Brittany Richmond was taken. So the Brittany <laughs> Richmond is my Instagram and BrittanyRichmond.com is my website where you can contact me for speaking at your conferences or schools, but truly, you know, I'm just, I'm around, I'm available. So reach out whenever you need anything. So. And adults too, they can, you know, event planners, they can come and connect with you at, at your website and maybe learn about how you can serve them. Uh, you, you're speaking at a lot of schools, youth conferences. Yeah. So typically I, um, I, I typically go to schools when I get invited from conferences. I don't, um, but so like leadership conferences, like I said, so I do a lot of like, you know, teen institutes, student council, 4-H, FFA, FCCLA, you know, the larger student groups where the leadership student is. Like I told you, that's pretty much my, my target students. So my former self. Were you an FFA member in high school? A 4-H member? I was not. So shockingly, can you believe it? I know. I was involved in everything else though. I played sports so much. I didn't have time for a whole lot of other things. You're a farm girl and you didn't do 4-H or FFA? <laughs> in Texas? We didn't have animals. What? So we're not we're not cattle or like any, any like you okay know, so you didn't know, yeah it's like corn wheat pumpkins you know all yeah, yeah. i know i know <laughs> i uh, didn't have to be uh, in it when i lived it so <laughs> that's true that's true well thank you so much and audience listen all her links uh to her website any social media stuff you're gonna find in the show notes so if you're listening go to your app you'll see that there if you're watching you know what to do just look straight down it's in the notes there. You can click on the, the links and, and be able to connect with us. Brittany, thank you. This is, I promise you, this is the first of several times we're going to connect because I do feel synergy here. So I, I know we're going to be involved with some future projects uh, going forward because it's a big message. It's a big mission. And we all have to join arms and not live in silos. Those of us who are called to do this, don't live in silos. Let's just join arms together and let's go after this. Because, uh, you know, it, it's big and we need, we need all work together. So thank you for being my guest today. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And if I could leave with your audience with one statement, and this goes for youth and adults, because I know the whole goal everybody has is to end the stigma around mental health. So I challenge you to run away from the urge that you have to not talk about mental health because of a fear of being judged. The only way that we can end the stigma is if we talk about it and talking about it takes away its power over you. So that's power. That's hashtagable as well. Uh, let's make a little clip of that one. Audience, if you stuck with us this long, you obviously found value in what we're talking about. And we would love for you to comment on it, like, share. Someone you know needs to hear this message and please share it with them so that they can feel the power of this conversation as well. And we'll see you again next time on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it. Another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. 
Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting, so keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.